Hi, um, I have some news for you. Oh, I like news. What's going on, man? Remember that fun stuff we talked about that we were going to do to try to just make things um, better? Oh, you even sound better. I didn't do a thing for it. No? You (laughs) sound better. I was going to uh, hook up the little uh, thing. I just haven't had a chance to yet. Oh, man. Okay, then I'm just placebo effect, but... How how are you? How are things? I'm exhausted, but I'm fine. How are you? I am. Uh, I'm. I'm surprisingly doing better. Good. Surprisingly. Good. good. It is. No, I'm just kidding. I'm awesome, man. Things are great. Things are great. Things are good. Better help's been awesome. Athletic Greens, delightful. You're benefiting from Carla, the executive coach solutions. And pretty soon our homeboy Matt is going to talk to us about uh, the Catholic Card Game expansion escape room. Another one. Uh oh. Brothers on a roll. My gosh. When will it end? What is this, 2017? <laughs> no, I'm, I'm excited about that. Good for him. <laughs> what? I'm just, I don't know. <laughs> I, oh, let me take a shit on our, I, our... I wasn't. I didn't mean it like that. And then as soon as it came out of my mouth, I was like, oh, that sounds very condescending. <laughs> no, not from you. Uh, so let me, can I, can I just give you a life update? You ready for a life update? Yes. Okay. Number one, I effing cannot stand my neighbors. Just, yeah, what's what's going on? Like you said that, and I was—I know you said some things in the past, and I was like, "Good thing they don't listen." Yeah, no kidding. So this is the same neighbor who we've had to deal with that her estranged husband was like attacking oh. her, and I jumped oh, out, yeah. jumped in the middle. Now I have spent hundreds of dollars on a security system, and am a gun owner. Am a gun owner, right? I mean, and then you bought a lot of pants and other things that you really did. Whoa, whoa, need. whoa, 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 whoa! The pants came well before that. the The tactical <laughs> pants were before that. Uh huh. Chris Miller's wife, Lauren, is like, "Are you going to get a gun? Or are you going to throw your tactical pants at the bad guys?" And I was like, "Damn it, you're right." Gun time. So, uh, <laughs> uh, so here's the deal. God bless them. We have tried our best. We've been very hospitable, very friendly, very neighborly. Still am. Not not throwing these people under the bus. But here's the deal. You got a 15-year-old kid, the youngest of her, all of her different kids. There's only two kids living at home. And just, it's a one-story house. And the kids come, his friends who live in my neighborhood just come in and out of his bedroom window. At all hours oh, of the day and oh, night. Oh, so that, oh, okay. So you sent us like a thing yeah. in the, the WhatsApp, and none of us understood what was going on. So you had and to. And you said, neither do I. Yeah. And I was like, oh, no. So you, the in the WhatsApp video, I sent you my ring camera feed of, and I have it mounted on my garage, and it's aimed at my camera, or it's aimed at my cars, but it also gets my neighbor's house. And she had said, like, oh, I really need to get a camera or something for my house because of my ex-husband. So I was like, well, I am going to put this on the front of my house for the time being. So yikes. So I aim it over there. So they kicked in my garage door. They have big shoe print. And it's right. It's that stub yard that you share with your neighbor. It's that tiny. It's where where my driveway is really close to their driveway and their side of the house. So. Here's Did the they deal. know that was your garage? Or yes, were they just, yes, yes. Why yes. they do it to you? I have no. I think they were a bunch of drunk guys coming out of his room at three in the morning, and they just kicked it, or whenever they did it, and they just kicked it. Teenagers beat teenagers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
and you you're know, tearing me apart, Lisa, kind of thing. <laughs> yes. So then, long and short of it is, he's got a train of people constantly coming out, and literally his window is right across from my dining room window. So, like, when we're eating family dinner last night, yesterday or the day before, Shannon's like, I can't stand this. And she just shut the blinds because they're just in and out, F this, F that, every five seconds while we're eating dinner. It's really frustrating. Well, when they get drunk, things get out of control. And uh, the video that I sent you was captured by my ring camera mounted on my garage at, like, 2.30 in the morning. Like, if you watch it a thousand times like I did... You see them dragging someone along the side of the yard, and they're like, swing them in there, swing them in the house. And you hear every so often, he's like, rah, 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 rah. he was like alcohol poison level of intoxication. Ugh. And they got to get him, and at 3 o'clock in the morning, fire trucks, cop cars, and an ambulance. Ugh. And so we text around, and we're like, hey, is everything Okay. And she just responds, she didn't respond to us until like much later. And she's like, sorry, I missed this at the hospital all day. And I'm like, and we're, we know why you're at the hospital. Yeah. We're like, is your son okay? We're checking in on you. We're not trying to be nosy neighbors. We're concerned, right? There's puke all over the side of the house right next to his window. Like, this is not a good day. This is not a good scene. And you sit there and you see all this. Half the fence boards are popping out between our house and all this stuff. That's just driving me insane. But they're renters. This is what happens when you have a neighborhood that's slowly shifting over to renters. Is that they don't invest in their home. They don't. It is proof, in fact, that renters treat homes less than owners do. And when a neighborhood shifts from owners to primarily renters, it totally changes the tone of the room of the neighborhood totally does. I, I I think you're getting into dangerous ground by saying that. What do you mean dangerous ground? Because I think it's it's I think it's very demeaning to people who rent. Okay, it is a statistical fact that if your neighborhood switches from owners to renters, the majority of those homes, the property values go down because people don't take care of their homes. The, or the homes they rent than they do homes they own. That's not a slight on all renters. You just care I mean, less. Like it, it really sounds like it. Well, I'm, I'm, like I'm, literally, I'm like like crime is higher in rental mm-hmm. homes simply because of the fact you might take perfect care of your home simply because of the fact that you don't know people as well who are leaving every one to two years or every six months. It depends also on the type of homes that your neighborhood rents. Like if you have, like in my neighborhood, people rent for one to two years. So you have a chance of getting to know them. But in other neighborhoods, people might rent for three to six months, right? They might be in for a short job haul and then get out of there. And so it the the way rent is set up the way but if you have a homeowner neighborhood you can actually get to know each other over the long haul right and the number one source of decreasing crime in your neighborhood is neighbors knowing each other and I can tell you for a fact I know everyone on my street literally I know all of them who own and the people who rent don't talk to anyone unless I mean and I go out of my way because I want them to feel welcome. Mm-hmm. So I've gone over their houses, mm-hmm. I've brought them mail, I say hi to them, and they literally, you know, not that's not everyone. That's not everyone, or it's not even those people maybe all the time. But I can tell you that places where that starts to happen, and in my neighborhood, it's happening like crazy because ExxonMobil 
and other oil companies are moving their entire headquarters here. Exxon did in 2016. And mm-hmm. so the home price is just like the rest of America. You got the shortage, but now you have the demand happening. And then the people who lived in the woodlands, they're moving to the more rural places and they're renting their homes out as they go to like get land or move away from our, our trafficy city. And so you start to see all these crazy dynamics. So this kid is like, it, I mean, like right now, as we record, I can hear his music thumping through. And I'm like, where, where are the people? Like, don't, he has a sister that lives there. Isn't she ticked off of hearing this bass music? All, like, me and my brother never got in bigger fights than it was over the loudness of my music versus his music. And it, it comes through my wall. It comes through my kids trying to sleep and stuff like that. And they just don't care. He doesn't care. Not they. He. But then the mom is gone. Like, why would you leave your 15-year-old son while you disappear for three days? I don't I mean, know like, either. Uh, so it's killing me. Here's the thing. I this is getting to the thing that I actually wanted to do some more um, research on before we talked about. Perhaps you're just kind of ex- like regard like so. Th- there's like a rent a, a crisis in our country. Oh, it's horrific right, right yeah. now, and it's especially bad uh, here in Dayton. Yeah. Um, and I actually thought of, I actually, so I I don't, don't want to get too in, in, into the weeds with this, but like why I like. Okay, so here's, um, I don't again. I have nothing. I'm freaking exhausted. So like, I'm not in the mood to like argue something, uh, just because I'm so so sleepy. Uh, but um, at least something I don't know. Like my one, I I think that sucks for one, like a lot, and I feel bad for you. Let me just leave it at that. It's just I. So stinking annoying when you have people that, like, literally the guy, we talked to a realtor, and he goes, Gormley, your neighbors, like, because they don't cut their yard, they don't do, like, half the stuff, and there's trashes everywhere, you know, and you're just like, like, why is it that I have a little bit of grass that grows out of my driveway, and the HOA is like, we're going to put a lien on your house, and you're like, literally, I just weed whacked this last week. And then they they have never weed whacked their house. I literally weed whack their house because it is weird that like yes. so like as someone uh, who um, rented a house out in Denver, like we had certain things that we had to do right. And I most they're like either the landlord himself or herself takes care of it, or it's part of your um, lease. You know, so I, I I remember when I was in Idaho, there was one um, there was one person who I thought the rent was insanely high, and she said I had to mow the grass, and I and I thought oh, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> All right, Buckaroos, here we go. It's a new BetterHelp ad read. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp Online Therapy. We talk about BetterHelp a lot on this show, and this month we're discussing some of the stigmas around a mental health. There are a lot of people that think if you're in therapy, it means that there's something wrong with you, but that's wrong too. It means that you recognize that all humans have emotions. We can't avoid them, so we need to learn how to manage them. I love that part. We've been taught that that a mental health shouldn't be part of normal life, which is also wrong. We take care of our bodies with the gym, the doctor, and nutrition. We should be focusing on our minds just as much as 
we focus on our body. So as a lot of you guys know, I went to therapy a couple, like probably started maybe two years ago. It was a fantastic experience. I find that it's just, uh, just get up, like helps you on the process. A lot of the junk that's, that's happened. And a lot of the, and even like part of the good stuff too, what are some um, good things that are going on in your life? You need to recognize, or just, just having an outside voice walk with you as you process stuff is really very, very cool. And I want to, the great thing about better help is that it is a much more um, affordable than in-person um, therapy. And you can be matched with the therapist in under 48 hours. I want you to give BetterHelp a try and see why over 2 million people have used BetterHelp online therapy. This podcast is, is, is spotted by, by BetterHelp and Catching Foxes I'm a, and Catching Foxes listeners get 10% off their first month at BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash foxes. Thank you to BetterHelp for once again sponsoring this episode of Catching Foxes. Like, like I'm not, like, not going to pay this much money and like mow your grass. Like I have a little like... Um, I've had some. I've, I've only really had two landlords, if you will. Uh, one was great. One was terrible. <laughs> and the one that was great was one that was like, "Here's the deal. Here's my home. Uh, here's kind of what like you guys get this price because you get this, this, and this." And we were like, "Cool." I don't think she realized how like much her house could have been sold for in Denver because she she lived in Alaska. We were in a prime prime part of, of Denver awesome. that was growing. And I think I paid like three hundred and fifty a month with the amount of guys that we had in there, and she was fine with it because she um, lived there and she didn't really have to take care of anything. Hmm. Then I had this other guy who was like, "If there's a scratch on the wall, you're screwed." And <laughs> I even like had was this, that in uh, Denver too? No, this is out of um. This was the apartment that I rented out in Idaho, hmm. and I even had my the like I'm a chairman of our board over, and I was like, "Does this look bad to you?" And he goes, "No," and I'm like, "Yeah, he's like really pissed off about all this." And I hate that crap. And it was, yeah. I, and I was like, oh, I'm kind of over this now. Like, it's honest to God why I didn't even try to find a house when we first um, moved to. Um, I was like, let's just do an apartment and then we'll buy eventually. With exposed was, brick. Um, yeah, exactly. Well, no, that was the second one because it was all um, hipsterish. Um, right. It, uh, I, it, like in one sense, I'm like, yes, this is an investment for you, and this is your place. Understand that I'm paying you money to use, and there is just natural wear and tear. Yeah, and part of natural wear and tear are freak accidents. Um, just we now there's 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 a difference between like if you see those things on, on video where someone like destroys a person's home. Yeah, yeah like there's a major difference between that yeah. and like normal life. Yeah, you know, and I, I am actually genuinely really concerned about this rent crisis that we are experiencing because I think it's actually super bad for everyone. Yeah, and it's just a continual um, thing of the haves versus the haves versus the have-nots. And what I'd like to do a little bit more, I'm diving into, and like, like with like your stuff is like that could be the case, but is that um, is um, is it um, is is like like more because you have people who rent tend to have unstable homes, so their homes are un are un are unstable. If if you like their actual homes, the, like physical makeup of of their homes, and there's not a lot of places that are now for rent, so you see a rise where it's like because in like in Oakwood, you have plenty of spots to rent. Plenty of, and it doesn't affect the property value here all all that much. I know it does a little. There, there's some concern about that, and I do understand that to yeah. a certain extent. That's why they've also have gotten rid of um of uh, Airbnbs. But there's you have so much. I'm going to turn over with with the Air Force here, and and 
Oh yeah, oh, and yeah. the things I'm like that that you kind of have to have to have that, and it's one of the reasons why like Airbnb has been the thing they've actually banned to try to cur- try to curtail that stuff. But I don't think you're wrong when you say like when you, if more people who rent, the quality of the neighborhood goes down. But is it because people are renting, or is it that people who tend to drive the quality down of a neighborhood are rent not not like I'm um, renters, but they rent. You know, like oh two yeah, yeah, different yeah, 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 yeah. Like I mean? it's a self, like uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. People who don't save money for the future in order to put a down payment might also have a strong Venn diagram of people who are reckless living for the moment, kind of exactly. Thing. So yeah. it's 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 not like, and I think what happens is you get, and I've I'm, and I've seen this in Oakwood. You get a stigma against people who rent, and it really pisses me off because just because like my family, I'm a rented growing up and they chose to do it because of my dad's um, disabilities and just the upkeep and certain things like that where it was just like it's not practical and didn't it give you access to the schools and stuff like the neighborhood well, that you wanted to um, go to i mean yeah 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 yeah. like that was like it was i mean it's why they rented the house where they did oh the but basement that time for god kind of like you know and i i've like argued with my mom about actually i don't want to put their business up on there so let me, yeah. let me be a little bit careful about that i mean it's not a, it's not a big deal but like some people <laughs> no, it's very obvious. Some people choose to rent because they just don't want to deal with a lot of the stuff that goes into home ownership, and they have like a financial plan that isn't dependent upon them uh, them owning a home. Yeah, you know, and I and I, I just I get a little bit sensitive to that because of how I grew up, and I'm just like people who rent aren't like bad, and you like you and I hear some people like. Uh, um, talk about that stuff it it, it, it kind of gets under my skin a little bit so i'm a little bit like i'm sensitive to that and i don't think that's what you were i'm trying to say but i i do think there's this sort of um thing going on in our country that actually really concerns me between the haves and the have-nots oh yeah it's horrific like that's like really 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 bad and i i and i see how to a certain extent uh, that's going to impact a lot of our futures, and it actually really concerns me with things yeah. that I don't think people are even starting to really take the time to stop and think about. Okay, so let me let but me anyways, clarify. Your life sucks. Go on. Let me let me <laughs> no, clarify no, 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 for I, I all just, the people. I was just I was when, trying to explain why I was a little bit like mm, right, but okay. And and here's the here's the even crazier deal. So we've been talking about this, and I think I think the pandemic is one of the greatest transfers of wealth to the top one percent of the one percent in the history of the world. Like this stuff, the stuff that has happened in the last two years is criminal and it's crazy. And like I said on Facebook that I post once the other day, um, uh, I, I just posted this this thing on monetary inflation. When you inflate the economy, the people who benefit first are the people who get access to cash, right? And so someone someone responded, not on there, but was like, well, what about when they give you stimulus checks? Like, they send it right to you. So it's not the big banks. It's not the big – and I said, what's the number one thing that people put their money into? pay off debt whether it's a medical debt or credit card debt so it goes back to the banks like and this is like i got new money new money goes right back to the man and it goes there and now i don't have that money so i was lucky that when i got that my money went to one of two places my incredibly huge tax bill that has been accumulating since 2017 whoopsie but then the other part (laughs) This message brought to you by ADHD. And Soon the Gore IRS is going to own our podcast. <laughs> They're going to put a lean against our, our Patreon. All the ads will be TurboTaxed. <laughs> just something like. 
Ramsey's Tax Solutions. No, so uh, so anywho, the what we do with that money, like the best thing you could do with that money is to save it. What they want you to do with that money is to spend it. But then when you have an inflationary economy, the worst thing you can do when there is runaway inflation is, is, is to save it because your money is being worked less and less and less. So I say all that because like when the re- when the owners, when the people who bought for investment property bought the house next to us, the first thing they did was rip up all the beautiful plants that our neighbors who had lived there for seven years had put in because they're high maintenance. So they rip all that stuff out. They don't replace it with anything. They just rip it out. Um, they don't have uh, any type of lawn mowing plan or anything like that. So the backyard is never mowed. The front yard is mowed like hate, every three I weeks. That. I hate that crap. I know. So like, they mow. I hate that. They mow like every three weeks, which means that it they and they don't bag it or anything like that. Which I don't care about, except for the fact that you know their lawnmower is dying every five seconds and it's shooting out all of this dead grass now all over my yard all over my driveway all over our sidewalk so i cat right so but i get it like this woman is taxed i feel like and so i have no problem every so often like i'll i'll mow her half i got or her part that we share like i don't i don't need to be like and i know they they don't care but like i'll weed whack all of the stuff that we share i've weed whacked around her ac unit because grass was going into the ac unit that can be, I mean, like when I say grass is growing, picture a bale of hay on top of an ace. Like it was, it was like three feet high, right? So this was this could kill the external whatever fan thingy that is. So compressor. It just whatever. got real weird there. Oh, it did. Is it still weird? Did you hear that? No, no. Oh. For like half a second, it was, oh. it was weird. Sorry, but anyway, no, it, no, maybe not anything. Sorry. So Sorry. Uh, my my frustrations is it's not going away. Just the other day, some kid sees that shannon and cecilia cecilia's having a really bad day and shannon's like let's just go outside let's just go outside for a second and they go outside and the guys are like oh shit they're in the backyard now and shannon's like what uh, and then and but we don't know what they what that meant like they didn't like it wasn't like they were watching yeah. like she just walked outside and then every other word is is the p word in front of my daughter and all this stuff and I, she, that would yeah right and then my daughter just gets like when my kids hear cuss words because they're sheltered homeschoolers they get afraid that something bad's happened because we had these middle school boys down at their park, which is like two blocks. This would be an ideal situation if it wasn't so crazy. Two blocks from my house, a lovely little park. Uh, they had to shut down the swimming pool because the middle schoolers and high schoolers were so abusive to the lifeguards. They had to just shut it down. I'm like, I pay for this. And they're like, well, sorry. And it's like, but but what? <laughs> so, uh, and and they would just, like these kids, they, they just tear everything up. And so... And I did my fair share of that. I told my daughter, Katiri, that I one time knifed a guy's tire when I was in high school and stuff. Like, did stupid stuff like that. Um, Wait, you, you did? Yeah. I didn't like this guy. My friend, it was one of the friend things, right? Your friend doesn't like someone because someone, I don't know if he, like, threatened to beat him up. So we snuck out of our houses. and uh, Gormley took a ni- tire. Like, when I slashed it, we thought we were done for. Did you even know what you were doing? Yeah. What do you mean? Did I know what I, I mean? Was like, doing? like, I've like, seen how did movies. You like... <laughs> I'm just imagining you with like your little chin beard, hat, yep, towel cross. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good old freshman gomer. St- yeah, and when you when we did it, it went and it was oh, so loud. And we're like, loud. shoot, run! <laughs> and we just took off. 
Um, and I don't even. I don't Policia! even. <laughs> I don't even remember. This was back in Oklahoma, so it was when I was fifteen. So whatever. It was weird. It was a long time ago. But I'm just saying, there's a lot of weirdness going on right now, and uh, so we're looking to move in the best sellers market, worst buyers market. And um, so you're looking around, and I met with a realtor today who's a really good friend of mine, and I just said, like, dude, what, what's the what's the four one one? What do I got to do? And he goes, well. Um, don't, you don't really have to worry about fixing up your home in order to get it sell ready. I'm like, really? He goes, yeah, like paint and carpet and clean up your yard and keep your inside clean. But other than that, like you don't have to worry about, did did he mean like change your carpet or? Well, we need to. Yeah, we need to. No, yeah. we, we need it's, it. Ours is it's like one reason why I haven't changed our carpet is that when we move, I really don't want to. We don't have to. I don't want to. Yeah. But I hate it so much. Yeah, I hate it. You know, and it's one of those things like love it or list it. I don't know if you've seen that show on HGTV. But no, it's I'm like, a man. Uh, oh, I am not. Um, I'm like, oh, <laughs> football, put on HGTV. And someone give me some popcorn. Uh, it's love it or list it. So <laughs> Kim has a new show and he's dating. She's dating Pete Davidson and it makes no <laughs> sense to Luke. No sense at all. Yeah, no sense at all. Man, that guy. So, uh, I, you know, it's a show where it's like, we can list your home for sale because you hate it. But what if we really did it up on the end? What if we really... Made it look awesome, oh, and then so the as, idea is like, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and that's the show. It's like a husband and wife, and one's a realtor, and the other one's the designer, and they're gonna spruce it up. But I, you know, I think like, what if we just built a bigger fence alongside our neighbors, and what if we did this, and what if we did that, and it's like, you know, I don't care. Here's my only problem, and it goes right to what you were talking about with um, with the renting crisis and just a lot of the insecurity kind of going on right now with the chaos and global supply chains and all that stuff. Is it's an excellent time for for selling, but um, I own one hundred and twenty seven thousand dollars left on my mortgage. I don't want to move in the most volatile economy that you know potentially that we might have. You know, I don't I don't want to live in a world where I just entered in to three or four hundred thousand dollars worth of debt. Because literally, I mean, my home I bought at one sixty seven. It's almost worth three hundred thousand now. Like, I don't want to live in a home that's three hundred thousand dollars. But really, you know, four five years ago, it would be one sixty. You know what I mean? I know. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah and yeah, now yeah. have to start over with crappier because dollars. It's like, and almost to like get what you want out out of moving, you have to accumulate more debt. And I don't want to do that in a time of financial insecurity. And Luke, here's the deal. I need to I am intentionally cutting back from my travel. I'm intentionally cutting back. And I'm doing it because I need to be more with my family. I need to be more with my jobby job. There's just so much going on. More at work. with your Lukey. My Lukey Duke. If I'm prioritizing catching foxes, I have to deprioritize travel. I just have to. And my family and all that other crap. But really, Luke and Catching Foxes <laughs> yeah. and Patreon. Yeah. But um, in, in, that, in that context, it's like I am scared to leave what we know for the devil that we don't know. At least we didn't have the devil that we know, and we can kind of quantify it and quarantine it. But the devil we don't know is we move into a house more or less as is, and then we get slammed with $50,000 HVAC you know, redoing things and, you know, like I'm just afraid of a lemon and, and getting screwed and stuff. So I got a lot of fear. Um, he talked me off the ledge about some of that stuff. Like, 
I really don't have to sink 10 grand into my house in order to make it sale ready. It's, it's anyone will buy it really. If they slap some paint and put on, put in some new carpet, it's a go. Yeah. We bought just at the, like the tail end of make it acceptable. And then it got like, I mean, honestly, I, and out in Dayton and in um, Cincinnati, there was, uh, it got a point where you had, I'm a realtor going to people's houses and saying, would you like to, I can sell your house for like X amount of dollars. Do you want to move? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like they were going to people's homes. Yeah, well, just saying. Friends of ours through the neighborhood like, it's app. Crazy. You know that neighbor next door mm-hmm. just mm-hmm. said, "Hey, I have a friend who really wants to buy in this neighborhood. Does anyone want to sell for like whatever? I don't know how they did it exactly, but it essentially just said that, and a couple people are like, "Yeah, I'll sell." Yeah, that's how a lot of homes in Oakwood are actually. That's crazy to me through word of mouth because what you don't want to do is get into get into some type of a bidding war, and from. Now I don't know what it's like right now with it being such a seller's uh, seller's own market. But if uh, if you don't want to deal with the risk of you go to the highest on the bidder or something, and then their financing falls through, um, something happens, you know, kind of out of your control, and now you're just like you've got to start the whole thing over again. What they'll do is they'll just like, hey, I've got a guy who wants to buy this house. Here's what he's got, like. You just kind of like – so you take the the quote-unquote hit that, that you would on your house or that, you, that you would through like a bidding war, but you have like almost like guaranteed – he's approved for this much money. They'll do the things in terms of like when do you want to move out, like all it on their own. So it's just – you have to, don't have to deal with any of that stuff. Yeah. It's just crazy. And so, yeah. it's And I think you bring up – and I really I'm, – I'm, 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 I apologize. I was super tired earlier. I'm, I'm trying to feel a little bit better that I was like, oh, don't crap on people who rent. But I, I I'm not trying. I didn't mean no, to no, say no, yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, 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 no. Yeah, no. I know. I know. And I, know, I want to make, sure, make sure it's clear that you're not doing that. But I do think there's this, like, there's a few things that are going on right now. And, are, and I'm, I'm going to kind of pivot this into what I wanted to talk about tonight. Though I almost waited. To, let me ask you this. Do you want. So we had a um, conversation about some some stuff the other day. I have a thing that I was going to do for that, but I didn't really have time to, to put into it that I would like. I could wait, and we could um, talk about it next week. But I think there's just enough there because it's just almost um, loose enough that we could just start to have an interesting um, conversation about it. And I think it could tie into what we're talking yeah, about sure. right now. So um, it's going to sound like it's out of um, left field, but I'm going to find a way to make all this work. Have you seen the Multiverse of Madness trailer? Uh, I mean, I saw the first one, but not like Have the Super Bowl. Have you seen the one that was on I didn't, the Super Bowl? No. All right, so I would like you to pull that up, and I'd like you to watch that. Okay, right now. Okay. And I want you to really pay attention to it. Have you heard any of the conversations around no, it? No. Okay, good. I'm out good. of all that. All right. Although I will be buying tickets tonight or tomorrow for Batman. Oh, that's so soon. We've got to see one of these things with Father Mike, Mike um, Schmitz. Okay, which trailer? So Ten days ago. Ten days ago. Here we go. Here we go. I want to see your uh, reaction, so I'm going to... My own Gomer reaction video. Guys, I am so freaking excited about this new sponsor for Catching Um Foxes. I'm talking to you guys today about Executive Coach Solutions. They are a um, leadership consulting firm that brings creativity and strength-based training to the art of business um, management. ECS works with individuals to bring out their talents to enable them to be happier and more effective at work. I cannot emphasize that part enough. I had the chance to work with them back in 2018 and 2019. It was absolutely incredible. It made 
made me so much better at my job. I have skill sets that I use to this day. When you invest in yourself, especially if you are like a priest or if you are at a parish, a lot of times as church workers, we always don't get that soft skill that we need in order to lead well. And this is what Executive Coach Solutions does. They provide you with those soft skills that you need to be a more effective leader. And I'm 100% happier at work than I was before I worked with them. I feel like I have the tools now to really talk with anyone that I work with about about like anything. I have the ability to set goals, set priorities. Do things that, especially if you work in the church, people don't really provide you with any of the know-how on on how to do that. And they do such a great job that any, like even if you don't work for the church, this is actually primarily for people who work in a business setting, but it 100% applies to people who work at the church as well. This is really an opportunity for like anyone who listens to our podcast who wants to get better at their career. I encourage you 100%. You're going to get all the practical soft skills you wish you had, you had learned when you work with them. So this is what I want you to do go to executivecoach.solution/foxes and schedule a phone call talk about where you want your career to take you you're going to be better at your job they're going to give you the tools in order to do that i really encourage you just just to go to their site schedule a call talk about where you want your career to take you that website again is executivecoach.solution/foxes and schedule a phone call today to talk about where you want your career to take you That looks fun. Okay. So at one point in time, your eyes got kind of big and, and uh, uh, you had gone, hmm. Like you would, what part was that? So there was one voice that sounded like Patrick Stewart from, I can't remember what he said, but at one point I was like, wait, what? Was that Patrick Stewart? Mm-hmm. And then, hold on. So we got an evil Wanda and a good Wanda. Mm-hmm. Uh... You got that cloud. I don't understand what the dark cloud is. Different stuff like that. I don't know. Interesting. And then the ending was where I was making the really crazy faces was uh, he's her face was all ripped up. Wanda at the end. Oh, yeah. So I want to talk about the Patrick Stewart thing. Yeah. Okay. If you don't mind. So I... um, I was at the VFW Hall with Nick, and I saw it, and I saw that part, and I was like, okay, there's something there. But I couldn't really hear it. Yeah. Then I watched it again, and your old buddy Luke's had COVID slash stroke brain, where he's just like, wait, 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 I know this. Wait, 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 wait. And then I, like, got distracted with something else, and, you know, um, I moved on. And then I heard someone I'm talking about, and they were like, we think it's um, Patrick Stewart. And I was like, wait, that was. And I immediately went back, and I was like. Holy crap! There's no way that's not on Patrick Stewart. All right, Sound like there's Patrick just no way. Yeah. So the whole the idea is do you want me kind of not, this, this yeah. is not a spoiler because well sure no one knows they think it's the Illuminati. Okay. Which would be some form of Iron Man. Now oh, in, in the yeah. comics it's Iron Man. It's Doc. It is Doctor Strange. Professor X. What Professor dude. X and um, I'm um, Richard Reed or whatever. Yeah, Richard from, Reed. Yeah, that thing. So Fantastic there's even like a rumor that like is Tom Hank, is, sorry, is Tom Cruise going to be Iron Man because he was considered for that part. Oh, that'd be so. Funny. Will you get like um variant actors? Sorry, we have um variant other characters that like we already know, but it's but it is a variant with actors who will almost play them. So would you see John Krasinski as Captain America? Kind of a thing. <laughs> you know? Which I don't. I would think, he look I into the camera and go? <laughs> Like in the I office. know exactly, yeah. And so now, 
I am thrilled. I am absolutely. I jumped out of my seat. Not jumped out, but I literally, I like, like popcorn bounced out of you, my thing. You yeah, squealed. when Daredevil was in Spider Man. Oh yeah, that was because awesome. I, and I've only seen the first season of him, and part of I'm season two. And I just, I love that character. I, yeah. I love that actor. I was like, this is wonderful. And I am delighted. <laughs> I love when it works. It I works. love the crossover stuff. Yeah, like I'm dying to see the old X Men with the the like within the MCU. Yeah, just when just, you like, thought you were out, Hugh Jackman, I we're know. pulling you back in. I'm like, stick it in my veins, like hell yeah, let's <laughs> do this. Me and Shannon um, watched Logan not too long ago. You know the old man Logan storyline. Yeah, yeah. We, I, I was like, re- oh, that. that's nice. I remember being kind of like eh, on the fence about it. Oh no, I loved it. But I need to watch because I was I in, in my head I'm too much like so which timeline is it? And I think the appropriate with that thing is it's just a one off. It's a whatever timeline. Yeah, for did, that. It's not that, 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 just shut up and don't worry. Just enjoy the story. <laughs> exactly. Wait, no, no, which, no, no. Is this the McCoy? Is this Stewart? Of course, it's Stewart. Stewart's right there. He's an old man. But shut up. <laughs> but I like I I wasn't. Versed enough in the comic lore that I ch- tried to understand to like yeah. have a greater appreciation for the MCU yet. So I was, it was very hard for me to understand that, like, because there are like three or four different X Men timelines. Oh yeah, they're all over in the, the movies. In the like, movies, yeah, yeah. And and I now okay. So anyway, so it's probably going to be him. I can't wait. I will be so happy. I'm going to do my best to avoid anything for it. And because uh, I just want to like, I I will be thrilled to death. I will be just. You'll have like a tickled on Luke. To a certain extent, this is very juvenile. I am almost 40 years old. I'm <laughs> thrilled by what cameos will be in a um, Doctor Strange movie. Squeal! Squeal! With an octopus with one eye. God bless like, it. It's a little bit absurd. And there is a big part of me that is okay with this. And I actually remember, I can't remember if this was on the show or what. We were talking to Greg. Greg, I went to you about people complaining about the MCU and how... People get upset when they connect to other other films and stuff. It's like, well, that's kind of that's like the fun of this. Like that's part of the fun is these self-contained stories that are in a broader um, universe. You know, the it's I that's I love the end credit scene when like you know um, you have Samuel L. Jackson being like you just stepped into a, a larger world. You know, I yeah. think that's like that's the fun of this. And what I hope that the, what I hope like Marvel does. Is that they do their best to under to understand that at some point in time there's going to be a, a market correction to all of this, either through how we consume our movies or whatever. They're hair metal right now, and grunge is going to come. <laughs> like it's just going to happen. Keep going, Luke. But, I'm picking but here, up. But here is the thing: hair metal bands. What happened was they still sold out arenas and and stuff. They just weren't on MTV. They weren't on the cover of um, Rolling Stone. They weren't what the culture was talking about all the time. But they these especially your bigger bands had such loyal fan bases. They could play these huge shows, and they were still like they could make plenty of money. That's what I hope the MCU is. It's like you stick to your MC. I'm like you is you ness tired mc Eunice, you make your money you understand that you know what not everything's going to be a billion dollars in the, in the highest grossing film of, of all time and understand like like can you just like be as big as you like don't compromise what makes you awesome right 
don't try to become the like hair metal band that all of a sudden does MTV Unplugged. <laughs> <laughs> That's M- not why we're doing this. They call that hair plugs. Oh, that was a bad yeah. joke. I apologize. Damn it. And I'm so thrilled. Now, what does it say about our culture if like we can't uh, do that, though? If they can't <laughs> do that and they have to change to follow. The, and and I bring all, all this in there because I think one of the things that concerns me about modern American culture is that there's just nothing driving anything besides like self-pleasure masturbation <laughs> well no i mean in the sense of like oh, i have to be very careful with how i word this there's a dave ramsey clip from a couple uh, that was I saw very recently on someone's Twitter feed that was really interesting. And he was, and then there was a woman who said she had to kick out people who were renting her home because she couldn't, they couldn't afford the rent that her own market allowed for. And he was like, "You," he said, "You're not kicking them out. The market is." And there was this one guy on there who's like, "This doesn't really sit well with me. Like, this isn't a financial piece. This is like." Like, this is where the, the capitalism stuff, sometimes I wondered, is it going too far? Mm-hmm. And this guy gave gave an example of how he's like, in my church, there's like, hey, I'm a couple of who started doing this thing where we would partner with these local families who were getting screwed over with these, like, rent-to-own deals. And a lot of them are first-generation um, first yep. immig- um, yep. immigrants. And they were basically giving them very, very low cost on loans like putting up the money for them to own the house, and then with an X amount of like years, they would basically would pay the deposits worth or whatever, and then they own the home. Or I, I, I don't remember exactly how the finance worked, but it was very like a, I'm a low interest way of like the, the community coming together to help someone get settled. Yeah, and I worry that our culture doesn't emphasize heroic virtue anymore. And so, and you see it through these movies and stuff where it's just like, are we're all just adolescents now? And you see it through, like, when you, this is why, like, when you talked about those kids being awful, like, I, I remember one point in time, me and my buddy Aaron got yelled at by his neighbor because I was saying the F word a lot. We were playing basketball and we were having fun. And, like, I felt really bad about it. And, like, we all felt kind of bad. And we, like, we never did it again. And that's part of being a teenager is doing dumb yeah. stuff, getting called out for and going, you're right, that yeah. was wrong. Well, what happens when you're just left to be a teenager? Like, what happens? It's it's that. It's like I'm using like horrific um, language in front. Like, I would never say that in front of kids. And they think it's funny, right? They, like, that, and that's, that's what I mean. Difference. Like, that's the difference. Yeah. yeah. And it's it's point towards the mom being gone all all you want, and that is a problem. There's a culture that is telling them this is how you act, and when the entire culture rewards. Greed is kind of the wrong word, but just like whatever I want, whatever like makes me happy or me the best or me, 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 me. Like, again, I, I don't find anything wrong with like I, I thought about like, do we rent out this house? Like the, the, I, there's nothing wrong with that. No. And there's nothing and wrong with wanting to charge a market rate. But it's like, yeah. when does it become a thing where it's like. Well, you're going to screw over a life by doing this, just so you're aware. Yeah, so I think of a buddy of mine who is very, very wealthy. And he came from A&M, and he basically helped company, helped banks 
start small business stuff because you would have banks that had nothing to do with small businesses. They were just hoping to hit the medium to large size businesses in terms of getting in with loans and doing all that stuff and blah, blah, blah. But he structured all of these small business things. And, and honestly, you need institutions within communities that are not the government, right, that are not just, you know, corporations, but these mediating institutions in order to make life work in America, right? You need mediating institutions. Some of that's your church, your this, your that, your local public library, all that stuff, which I love and I'm a part of. But um, other things, like, I think that's so f- fascinating is this guy motivated by his Christian charity, but also by his savvy business sense says, okay, I am going to pull a bunch of investors and we are going to give last minute loans, like save your business loans to companies who a bank wouldn't touch them with a 10 foot pole. He said, think about this. You spend $200,000 to secure a, 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 a building that your dream is to own a restaurant and you finally got the building, got the restaurant. You work like a dog 16 hours a day. You're employing your five-year-old nephew to do the dishes in the back, like all hands on deck all the time. Then your AC goes out and you get a bill for $50,000 for your AC. And this was a case that he told me, sure. He said, this man's dream is gone because no bank in their right mind would give him a penny. And he said, so what we do, is we give them financing. But what I do is I have a pool of investors and they say in 10 years, I want my money back and I want, you know, 10 or 15%. He said, if you go anywhere else, it's 40 to 50% return on investment. So what he does is he holds the vultures at bay and he gives these people and he does his due diligence. If he can't think that he can save it, then he won't. But he invests in companies that no one would ever invest. One of the businesses that he invested in was a, a Baptist church in rural Georgia. And it saved the church. And it's like, you know, he does things like, well, he takes over the credit machines and charges an extra 1%. So the business loses 1% of every credit card transaction that goes to the debt servicing. He does all these like little micro transactions. So the business doesn't feel overwhelmed, but he just takes it over. And it's amazing what you're able to do because a bank wouldn't do it, but these pool of investors would. So it's this other safety net, but because he's willing to take 20% or 10% less uh, reward, he's able to actually save small businesses in America in crisis. And he does it all over the country, which I just find absolutely fascinating. How many priests do you know? could have people in their uh, in their parish. I don't know, you know, and we're both not priests, so this this could be a thing that we really can't answer right now. Oh, I pretend I'm a priest all the time. How many priests <laughs> that are listening to this podcast have 10 people at their parish that they know if they need any money for the church at all that they could go to and they'll pay for it. They'll find a way to get it paid with without question. Yeah. Like an actual um need, yeah. not like we want to have a we want to have a media room with 4K T I'm 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 talking like Hey, we're going to, you know, we, we, we've got to repave this road right here to, so this group can kind of have better access. And, and, and I'm, mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm having a hard time with. Yeah, with I don't know. I don't know. Here, I, but... I do know, like, for instance, Redeemer Presbyterian Church in Center City, Manhattan. One of the things that they do is they actually have a venture capitalist angel fund of a bunch of rich, wealthy Wall Street people who got saved and found the Lord Jesus Christ. 
and they're they that's what they do is they they invest in projects that government won't and that businesses can't and that individuals can't and so they come in in that middle ground well i don't think okay so i don't think i'm talking on a turn here if i were to okay. bring up this 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 example but like you know back in the, the back like in the 70s or in the 60s if you needed to get a thing i'm fixed at like your parish school the like the heater goes out i know of, a, of like a parish that might be in a place where I work where the priest would go and they'd ask certain um families and they'd be like, well, we will take care of it. We'll find a way to do it. Like we'll go to different people. We'll, we'll, we, and the priest just, just had, and those were things that they would need like a heater, a, a whatever, you know, like you're like, um, practical stuff. Again, not like a multi a media room with ping pong um tables and a, um, a TV though. That's good. Um, I don't know if that exists anymore. Mm. You know, there was this, yeah, you, you, I, I agree, I, I and I think it's because of like, big churches, right? I was I was talking to someone today about this very thing. Someone said, "Hey, could we like do a jambalaya cook-off for?" I don't want to say what it was, but it was something that is not appropriate for the church to be paying for. And but the just the idea of it was like, and I was thinking like, no one ever does that for us. We have two things that I think our church does well. We have a St. Vincent de Paul Society where 100% of the money donated to it goes to people in need. There's zero overhead. It's all run by volunteers. We just provide a phone line with a voicemail box. Your volunteers are your overhead, and they're worth $28 an hour. So, Athletic Greens. Athletic Greens. <laughs> okay. Can we? I, I just. I know, we have, I know we've got it. We, ha, we ha, yeah. have some copy. My gosh. I am obsessed with Athletic Greens. I am absolutely obsessed with our next partner who has a product that I literally use every day. I started taking um, Athletic Greens because the pitch sounded very cool. This year I wanted to just embrace embrace health again. You know, uh, that's just my big thing. And I, so that's one of the main reasons why I did Athletic Greens. And we and we uh, were able to meet with them and hear uh, a little bit of like what they're about, a couple other podcasts that are on par. They sent us these starter packs, yeah, which are awesome. 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source, superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help you start your day right. This is what I do. I come downstairs. I open the kennel for my dog. Dog comes out. I go right over, fill up. My glass of water, 12 ounces, cold water, dump one scoop of Athletic Greens in there, and it supplements for the whole day. It's awesome because the stuff they use is sourced from whole food ingredients, made in New Zealand. It tastes good. It's a powder that you dump in your drink. You can take it on the go. All of my health care regimens have fallen to the wayside, except for Athletic Greens. That should tell you something. <laughs> I was a bit skeptical at first just because I was like, am I going to be peeing very expensive pee? Like That's what I'm, I'm wondering. So tons of people t- take some some like type of a multi multi vitamin, but it's important to choose one with high quality in, in greens that your body's gonna like actually absorb. I can feel that happen like immediately afterwards. And I've been I'm sleeping a little bit um, better. Everyone, I'm begging you to buy it so they will keep giving it to us. <laughs> I don't even know what they're going to. And, I mean, like I, like honestly, God, I'm not kidding. Um, we're gonna like both Aaron and I are gonna keep doing this after the problem with these sponsors we start getting them because we're doing an ad and then i end up spending all the ad money on buying more products so So here's a great thing this stuff is lifestyle uh friendly whether you eat paleo uh keto vegan dairy free gluten free Mm -hmm. it's fine it's got less than one gram of sugar uh no gmos which is very important for me and my family no nasty chemicals or artificial anything it's really good stuff so 
Uh, this is what we're going to say. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. I have the travel packs. I will be using the travel packs. You don't have to refrigerate the travel packs. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash foxes. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash foxes. Move over, Joe Rogan, to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Thank you to Athletic Greens for sponsoring this episode of Catching Foxes and My Body. So good. It's so good. Nice, but but we don't pay anyone. They're amazing. They're amazing. It's called an in-kind gift of their time. Yes. And you just, yes. No, but I, I think that's funny. I think that's funny. <laughs> but meaning we don't, not a penny comes out no, of our no, pocket. No, 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 no. You know no, what no. I mean? It's, it's, it's an incredible, or it's just like, we, yeah, that's, yeah. That's, so that's an incredible thing. And that's harnessing the power of mission. Like, they understand that they're not in this to get, they're not going to get paid. They're not going to do anything. They are there and exactly. they have to go. Exactly. Yeah. The power mission. Yes. Yes. Exactly. exactly. And then we have our food pantry. In the greatest, you know, pandemic when people all over the place are losing their jobs and you see people in Lexuses roll up to buy, to get free food, a meal at our food pantry, you realize like, oh, you were spending 120% of your income and now you just lost your six or your job and you're screwed and you need to figure out how to pay, how to feed your family. Well, come, come here. We'll feed you. So our food pantry is the largest nonprofit food pantry that's not run by a government in our area we give we literally luke the the they were talking like all this amazing stuff that we did in the past and it goes like this it's a hockey stick we've given away more in in the last 12 months than we've given away in the last 12 years right like and and our costs have stayed the exact same so it, it's just incredible the the type of stuff that we've been able to do in our food pantry at our parish, St. Anthony's Bread. Um, but within that, like, we, we serve a lot of needs. But someone came to us and said, well, my air conditioner is out. Or, well, I want to get in vitro fertilization. What do I do? Or, you know, can I do a jambalaya cook-off? And you're like, mm, no. But, uh, <laughs> you know, like, and I started thinking about that. And I said, wow, because our parish is so big, we don't know each other. We, we could be having 50 of these every weekend because our parish is so big. But also, we don't know if this crap's legit. Like, what do we do? How do we help people? No, we're well, just going to well, help I, people through our other ways. I'm, I'm, I'm not necessarily talking about helping own people, though I think you bring up a good point. So I, I'm talking more about the needs of your community on a somewhat a macro level. Mm. We're all invested in this in um, – the church here we need a heater i'm gonna go to five guys or gals they're gonna go to each go to five guys they're gonna take care of it okay there's no need for a capital campaign there is no need for like to fix the heater or the boiler you just go to some people and there's there is for a period i i think you bring up this is that's interesting okay i was i was hearing you differently but yeah i think they're both part of the same they're like um symptoms of of the exact same thing so like going back to when you first have the Puritans or, like, you know, whoever else coming over here, schools on the bridges, hospitals, the church, everyone was expected to pitch in. Yeah. It's one of the roots of the nonprofit almost sector here in in the country, which is why you can say it actually technically predates the private sector here. Because as soon as they got here, they all got they all got together to, like, build a bridge. We need a schoolhouse. We've got to have a church. Got to have, you know, or whatever. 
and it was just expected for the good of your society, you were going to do this. Yes. I think that is completely lost now. And I think back, you know, back in our um, grandparents' day, if they, if the priest or the, or their pastor called them and said, "Hey, we need help with this. Can you guys pay to get this? I'm pay to get this fixed." Yeah. They either would say, "Yep," or "I can do this. I'll find another person. I I, I can do a thousand. I'll find a, I'll find two other people to do two, and it's done." Mm-hmm. And now it's all I'm a, it's all part of big campaigns. They have to um, finance it so they can like um put it all together with all this other stuff and do like a capital cam- mm-hmm. campaign and mm-hmm. I'm a blah 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 because they're and it's it's the same uh, thing which is like your part of this if you want this to exist this this ha- this has to happen but there's all these layers to it right yeah. right right now and part of it is I wonder is because our culture is just insanely selfish so you don't have this op- you don't have the obligation to like to your neighbor and then it, so it really on the manifest it will like on the manifest it's it's on self in, in, in the sense of do you know if your next door neighbor like needs food or not and then it manifests it's it's itself in the sense of like your church is going to make your area your 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 community a better place are you giving it the resources that like it needs to exist yeah oh are you giving your 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 10 percent? are you does like i would be very curious to know if you are a pastor at a at at a parish go to patreon.com slash um cf there's no other way to get a hold of us no but you actually go to our um go to our our website uh go to um foxes dot 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 fm go to the contact page if you have a thing, I, I, I don't mean like get your roof fixed or like, well, I guess like, that could be, yeah. I don't mean like a new um, building. I mean like those kind of like not those your, mid-level new thing. maintenance yeah. costs, mid to lower but, level maintenance costs. Yeah. But like, not like we need new erasers, you know, somewhere yeah. where yeah. like, do you have families that you know you can just go to and it will be, do you have so, a community at your parish that could be taken yeah. care of? And that's not your fault if it, if it doesn't exist. I'm just wondering, like, does that, yeah. is that actually, is this a thing that we don't even fathom anymore? Yeah. Because so, we don't have a point of reference for it. So, okay. So I will say this in, in terms of my reference in my own life. Number one. I'm going to reference my buddy's church at Church of the Presentation, which is an ordinary church. I would love to get the pastor, Father Fletcher, on, mostly because he's from Oklahoma. But um, the we'll call him Fletch. <laughs> and he lives. Um, so one of the things that they do is they have what they call guilds, right? So, you know, they're a very traditional church. But they call them guilds, and they're like, do you want to join a lawn maintenance guild? Like, can you do this? Like, it, it's it's similar to all the stuff that you were talking about. It's not exactly the same thing. But what he does is he just says this. He's like, here we go. I need an altar rail for Holy Communion. Do any of you know how to do woodworking at a professional level? This guy's like, yeah, I mm-hmm. can do that. Mm-hmm. Right? And it's like, awesome. You do it. Like, c- can we – like? There was a church in Broken Air in uh, Bartlesville, Oklahoma. Um, there's a shrine to St. Teresa of the Zoo. And what they did was they said, listen, we want this to be a beautiful shrine, but we don't have any money. So what we're going to do is we're going to have our people build it. And it's all kind of a legendary story where, like, okay, they need these paver stones to be brought in because they've got to build up one side of the land. So the people just – individuals went out, and I think they bought it. 
They bought the, you know, the priest or the, the construction company told them exactly what it was. And they went on a, individuals bought as many as they could. They drove it over to the church and they carried, physically carried it and laid it in place. Right. Then they learned, and Chris Miller, my friend, my best friend, Chris Miller, he was teaching me, <laughs> he was showing me. Does he, will he talk about Harry Potter almost with you without making you feel bad? No, he won't. That son of a bitch. Didn't, didn't think so. Uh, so, <laughs> so we would go through and he was like, you see this, this gold leaf thing, side altar. He's like, this was done by the artist who then taught the people how to paint gold leaf. And then he walks over to the other side. And he goes, and this was their first attempt. Which is why it sucks. And then he's like, and this was their second attempt that's much better. You know, and it's stuff like that that, like, the community, like, straight out of the Middle Ages almost, built their home parish. Not everything because yeah. you got to do code no, yeah, and all yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, like, yeah. But, like, Old St. Mary's, I think I've, I'm taking you there down at Oh, so Natty, beautiful. Like, the like those big stones that that like uh, that actually on the make up Ulte mirrors were in like um German immigrants uh, like all of like the moms use their stoves to like heat up the stones and stuff <laughs> like awesome. so that's literally how that how that wait, was built wait 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 uh, old St Mary's yeah I thought those it's, were the stones that the builders rejected. God, this is the kind of shit you would say a freshman this year of, of college, and somehow <laughs> girls found him attractive. It makes no sense. You—that is literally a freshman Gomer thing. Something like that. Does my Bible humor make you want to flirt with mortal sin? <laughs> <laughs> We're laughing because it's true. Do you want to date me or the guy in a further seems forever shirt that's starting to get a little bit too tight? Who just keeps talking about how he wishes dashboard unconfessional? The guy from that band was still. In uh, further seems forever. <laughs> Your choice is clear, ladies. <laughs> <laughs> I make Bible jokes. Level three Bible jokes. <laughs> but like, and, yeah. and, and it's tough. You know, like I, I mean, do, do you know how to heat up stones to build a church? I don't. You know, like I'm sure there's a so, YouTube video, Luke. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm like, I, I would imagine. Hello, oh, Shannon, Ski, welcome to how we heat up stone <laughs> to build church. It's Soviet Russia. You stones heat up you. <laughs> Uh, church builds you. Um, it does. <laughs> Literally. Uh, but like, like, that's the... Um, Spiritually. <laughs> stop it. That's the thing that sometimes I want. It's like the cost of hyper-individualistic capitalism. Yeah. 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 Sometimes there's like there's like a hidden cost to that that you just don't see. And I'm not trying to sit there and be like... Therefore, Bernie Sanders. Like, right. <laughs> I'm, I'm like, there is <laughs> therefore something... community, not communism. Yeah, right? yeah, exactly. <laughs> therefore, like, I gotta love my church. Oh gosh, yeah, man. You're well, speaking... there is a theory in fundraising. I really need to like have this on hand, or just go out and try to remember it. Where I, um, I forget what the name is, but the idea is that people become too donor centric, where it's all about like, what does a donor want, which is. Right, yeah, yeah. To a certain extent, a good thing, because you're, but like the whole point is to hopefully have them be involved in their, like, in their um, community in a in a profound um, way. But this um, theory argues that we've gone too far, yeah. and we forget that we're asked the people that we're asking for have a right to have someone ask for a gift on their on their behalf. So the homeless have a right to have someone like Aaron going and people saying. Our costs are like I think it's like three. I don't want to. I want to say it's like three thousand a day. They have five hundred people that they house every wow. day. 
Wow, wow, wow. And I want to say, I could be totally wrong, so please don't, uh, please, I'm little Michael Vandenberg, if you are upset about that, come on the show, because I want to talk to you about, like, other stuff. Anyways, that's your boss. Um, he's been listening for uh, years. Um, like, that, those people have a right to have Aaron and to have a Michael and others go and ask, and, like, Helen, go ask money on their behalf. You know, and, and that's, and I think we forget that sometimes, because it's all about, like, you. Yeah. You, you know, yeah, this like, is what I want. This is what I good. want. You know, like, it, yeah, exactly. well, I, I was talking with our Spanish adult faith formation leaders because I'm in charge of Spanish ministry. That makes sense. And uh, I was talking to them. <laughs> hey, Miguel. <laughs> Yo soy el niño. <laughs> <laughs> That's Spanish for I am for the, the niño. niño. <laughs> no, so I was talking with them and they were the, like the subject of giving came up and these are just. Faith formation leaders, these aren't people involved in campaigns or anything. And the subject of giving came up within the Latin community here at our parish and, you know, all these different conversations. I said, listen, listen, listen. I don't care about money. I don't care about money from the Spanish community at all. I don't think we've earned it. I think we make people feel like guests. That's not the point. What I want to see more than anything else and what I desperately need in order to start even making that good step forward is I need volunteers. I need people who love their faith, who might not love St. Anthony's or might not love me, although find that hard to believe. Uh, 375 Patreon supporters can't be wrong. But um, <laughs> the idea is if, Technically, if you want to split them half and half, it'd be what? Like No, 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 no. We don't split them. They love 100. both of us. They love both of us. <laughs> Please. Please. I know you all love Luke. They come for Gomer, but they stay for Luke. It's true. It's true. And it's even true about me. Uh, I come for myself all the time. So the that's why I go to confession. The <laughs> that was awful. I should not have said that. I apologize. <laughs> Captain Fox is his back, baby. <laughs> this is the funniest thing because I am at the best of my spiritual life in a long time. <laughs> I, last week I said mf'er and I cut out the in the in the actual thing I cut out saying the f bomb, but I let your reaction play out where you were literally breathless laughing. It was awesome. It's actually true. I can tell when you're in a good place because you'll make dumb jokes like that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and if you're not, you're like, no, no, I can't, I can't. <laughs> oh, please, good sir, good sir. No, <laughs> no. But uh, talking about, it, I said, listen, th- this is what I need. I don't want money. I don't want people coming out of the woodwork and being like, all right, I'll give this money. I don't want to harass people for money. What I need is to see people buy into the mission. Like that's what I want. Like the money will come if people stop feeling. And speaking of the Latin community, right? If they stop feeling like guests feel like members, and then contribute. Like, if they feel like they belong, because I've gone out of yes, their way, out of my way. 100%. Scott, Scott Hahn said this literally 30 years ago, and I have never found advice that have topped this. He was talking about youth ministry, and he said... I was nine, and I was like, my calling is clear. <laughs> Thank you, Scotty. I could call you Scotty. No, okay, Dr. Hahn, I apologize. Um, no, but he said this, and I thought it was so brilliant. He said... Yep. Uh, he said, <laughs> uh, when talking about youth and ministry, he said, the youth want two things, drugs and wi- – no. He said, the youth want two things. He said, they want to <laughs> Drugs be- and the remotes. <laughs> yeah. He said, they want to belong and they want to contribute. He says, most churches that do a good job with belonging do a terrible job with contributing. And he said what they do is they're just, no, come to our thing, come to our event, come to our – and it's all the – like, and these are the places that are doing a good job. 
is they do all the pouring into the kids of knowledge and blah, blah, blah. And we set everything up and it's all events. And he's like, but they want to know, like, you never fully belong until you contribute. Right? You never fully belong until you feel like I'm such a part of the mission. Like, I believe in the mission so much I'm going to join it. I'm going to help the mission go along. And when I see that at small churches, so new churches have that kind of dynamism, like the newness, the new hotness. Even if it's not something you agree with, a new church has a dynamism that an old church can never accomplish, even with new pastors, new buildings, new whatever. And so you see this at churches like Church of the Presentation. We're like, listen, we need liturgical, uh, we need a liturgical guild, the altar guild. They used to call them altar societies. Who are just dedicated to all the liturgical colors and all the liturgical linens and and cleaning and the vessels and all this stuff. Those green felt um, banners aren't going to hang themselves. (laughs) Not at the Church of the Presentation, my friend. The Anglican Ordinary would never do that. (laughs) Which is why I love going there. Tell no one. Tell no one. Um, (laughs) I went to a two-hour mass there. There was a normal Sunday mass. And I didn't complain at all about the length because I felt like I was in heaven the whole time. Anywho, that's neither here nor there. Um, But in that that, uh, moment, moment, he, he just says, like, this is what we need. Like, we need people to do this. And then people are like, okay, yeah, I'll do that. And they just do it. Because they, you see, I think part of it is with bigger churches that are mega churches, like, you don't see the effect. Like, if you mow a lawn, you see the lawn. Okay. But, like, yeah. it's not a part well, of a community that mows the lawn. You know what I mean? And that's why, like, good fundraising is actually about making people, you, uh, you, Help them to feel and experience how they are a part of, like, what is this? And that's all I want to do. That's all I want to do. So I was, like, talking to a guy the other day. I hope this isn't uh, talking out of school. Um, But uh, he was giving me some some advice. He's a great um, consultant for all this stuff. So uh, if if you uh, think this is cool, I will uh, contact us, and I will give you his um, contact info. But I don't want to say his name on this because I don't – have permission, you know, anyway, but also I will just say this. He told a story about how, you know, he used to raise um, money for a group that would do things for people to try to get them to not, to not have abortions. And so there was, when they would have a baby that would be that like that they had a save that would then be born. If they had a picture of the baby, they would, and if the parents were okay with that, they would, uh, they would text that picture to their donors. And say this is a life that like you helped save through like you know like you paid to help us get this like have like billboard out and there was a person who changed their mind because they saw this and like you like this and they are that's that you are seeing the grass this weird analogy you're seeing the grass being cut you're seeing the unfinished uh, thing and when you're doing you're not always going um to see the like fruits of your work. But you should see it sometimes. It doesn't mean you should never see it. You should see it. You should try to figure out what's going on. Like the best thing you can do for anyone who gives to your organization is to bring them to your organization. Like actually bring them in the building. Have them meet the people that you serve. Have them serve lunch. Have them be a – most people want to be a part of what's going on. Uh, and it, I, I think as a church, we've kind of lost our ways with this a bit because there's such a, a sense of – I don't know if selfishness is the right word, but we've just become a, we've become a culture of such abundance that we don't even know what to do with it. 
kind of going back to the thing about when we when we both allies on a, on the farming for a week and we never got back to the Kervonics about having them on. <laughs> um, uh, it like is this like what 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 is this doing to us? What is this sort of post Christian on the culture doing to us? Hey everyone, it's Luke, and I'm here to tell you about a first for Catching Foxes and Catholic Escape Game. The makers of Catholic Card Game and Council at Daybreak have made a Lent-themed escape game experience that you can play at home with your friends and family. Oh, that's kind of cool. Or perhaps some girl that you have that you have a crush on. Be a man. Have the whole thing arranged for all your friends. But in reality, it's just for a chance to talk with that girl who probably isn't into you anyways because you've already been friend-zoned. There are 12 pages of puzzles, um, riddles, and clues to solve, and it's all themed for Lent. They made both a, a novice and extra expert um, uh, um, version. You can get both with your purchase. You can be an expert but play the, the novice with the girl that has friends on you. It's only $10 which is one-third the cost of any escape experience. It'll take you anywhere from 40 minutes to over an hour. This sounds awesome. I didn't realize like escape room like games are a thing. I'm intrigued and i think i'm probably going to buy this and how would you buy this luke well luke i'm glad you asked go to catholiccardgame.com and you can buy your own catholic escape game this is so cool catholiccardgame.com and buy your own catholic escape game what a fun thing to do during lent see lent doesn't always have to be like oh i hate my life catholiccardgame.com you can get your own version of a catholic escape game for only 10 bucks which is great it's a great thing to do with all of your friends a uh, good thing to do and not be sinful. CatholicCardGame.com. Thank you to Catholic Card Game and the Catholic Escape Game for sponsoring this episode of Catching Foxes. And now concludes the shittiest ad read I've ever done. That quote from... So let me tell you what I, I said to my high school students. I went up to them and for I, I feel like there's such a need to help them detach that they're constantly plugged in and they're being milked for all their attention. So for five minutes before I, around the beginning prayer of the night, I do something about that. And last week, last Sunday, I said to them, I said, listen, we oscillate between two things, hyperactivity, and then the pendulum swings to hyperpassivity. We're never receptive. We're never contemplative. We never get to just be and we never get to say no. Like, think about for all of you who are itching for your cell phones right now. Like, what? the sti- <laughs> my, yeah. I know the stimulus comes at you all the time, right? This constant stimulus that Frederick Nietzsche knew enough to say you can't live a contemplative life without the ability to say no. I said, but what do we do? We, we go from hyperactivity, I'm doing this while I'm listening to music, while I'm talking to these people, while I'm doing this, this, this. And then the pendulum swings to hyperpassivity where I just sit and consume and I scroll through TikToks. I scroll or I watch TV. I do this. I do that. And I said, the, the thing that we're doing is we're not being refreshed, recreated. We're not doing this. And I said, this is why boredom matters on just a, just a total brain level. It helps our brains rest. And when you constantly pump it full of stimulus, you're going to constantly be agitated. I said, but more than all of that, you're never going to know the God who wants to grow your soul. Because everything that grows, grows in silence. And if you don't cultivate silence, if you don't love being alone, still, 
and in silence, you're going to have a hard time. I said, not just with prayer, but with like developing a meaningful life because all you're going to do is chase after the next noise. And then I said my thing that I came up with in high school that I love, but I, I need to like put more energy into it. But I said, uh, the, the world around you has no problem shoving its voice and replacing yours. I said, but like the very word addiction means essentially ad dict, which is like the same word for voice, like, like dictation dictionary. It's someone else's words in my mouth, basically. That's what an addiction is. Someone else's hmm. thoughts taking over my speech. So, oh, wow. That's interesting. Isn't that fascinating? Add. Yeah. So action to speech, right? So why do we use it for this? Because it's taking over me. That even the very words that I say, it's, it's owned. It's someone else's words, right? So the, the brutalness of these things, I said, um, when it comes down to it, it's other people's voices that we're constantly feasting on. But at the same time, we're never at home with ourselves. And if we're never at home with ourselves, who, we don't know ourselves. We don't know anything about us. There's no recollection. There's no reflection. There's no, there's no self there. We've become a world of non-objects. Like it's almost like we're, we're totally fine just consuming as long as we don't have to do the difficult work of being. I said the only way you can be is if you shut up and shut out. Like you have to fight and close the blinds on the world or on the noise of the world in order to hear what God's doing. And then um, just and then I just let him in a, like a very slow, quiet prayer with a lot of silence. And then, you know, I tried to activate their, you know, imagination and, you know, like think of a person or think of Christ or, you know, you do that kind of guided meditation because they don't know how to meditate thing. But the, you just play silence yeah. um, in the background. Yeah. I've done that before. <laughs> so within that context with these high school students, it's hyperactivity and hyperpassivity. And I was like, and you're no longer a person. You're no longer a person. It, it, you can't be a human person when you're constantly stimulated. And, you, and the only way you shut off the stimulation is by being exhausted. Like that's not fair to your, your core, your center. And so within the, within the, like the youth group, that was a, a big thing for us is like to constantly draw our attention. Like why is prayer important? Because I get to hear God, but also because I get to hear myself. And I don't mean that in a self-help, self-care sort of way. I mean that in a, I don't know who the hell I am because I've been pumping myself full of a million different voices. And I'm robbing me of me. So who is this me that could possibly love God? Because I've never met me, right? It reminds me of Father Paul. When he came back from his 30-day with Marty, the line that he said was, uh, I said, what did you learn? It's funny. I followed up with Father Paul. And he goes, I don't remember saying that, but that was really cool. He said, uh, and I made him sound like a Johnny Cash. But he said, um, I, I said, what did you learn? He said, without skipping a beat, I learned three things. I learned how to tell God's voice and differentiate it from my voice and from the devil's voice. And I said, what do you mean by that? Right? Like, that's an awesome statement. I said, what do you mean by that exactly? And he said, there are plenty of things that I tell myself is God's will, and it's not. It's mine. And there are plenty of things that I say, this is what I want, and it's not. It's a temptation from Satan. And he goes, and I need to learn how to distinguish those voices. And that's what I did. And I was like, oh. And you can't do that by, you can't even do, and I love, I love Hallow. 
I love that app. But if we let robots pray for us, <laughs> we're not praying. Mean. Yeah. Yeah, it's. And, and, I pay. And I paid the sixty dollars for the year subscription. I love the Halo app. Halo app. We wanted. We had the best intentions of having the guy on when they reached out to us, and we just never got back because we couldn't find the time that worked. No, it was because they wanted a subscriber per. They would only pay us per subscriber. No, no, that was for that was for having them do ads. This was having the guy do the interviews on the show. <laughs> and now he's worth millions. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Whoopsies. No, but it's such a good app. It's such a good so app. So busy. No, no, it's great. And, and like and like here's the thing about this stuff is that you there's a temptation because we are Americans and this is just just what we do to swing the pendulum to like yeah. no technology. Yeah. <laughs> like like imagine getting rid of all of your social media, the main thing that you use to tell people about this thing that provides your family with a decent amount of income. Um that's what we did. You know, like and but I think like we needed to. I, th- I think it was healthy and good. I needed to. I think we both are like, we're done with this. But there is um, this way of like, where does it, – it's uh, it's all a disorder. Yeah. Right? It's all a disorder. So like when you were I'm talking about how we like consume stuff, we're not really being a receptive. We're being numbed. Yes. And then when we're being proactive, it, for the most part, it's – it's there. there isn't anything wrong with work. Right, like work is good. Work was work was work is has been around since since before the fall. We're taking part in the creative aspect of God. A man should be paid his like the like the, for the result of his labors. All good stuff, but it's the hustle culture. It's the like work at the expense of and uh, work at the expense of your family. It's the work at you know do which isn't good capitalism, but like. Screw the guy over to get the deal, like you know that's it's all that stuff, which is the dis, which is the distortion of the proactive stuff we are supposed to do. If you're working to the point where you have no time to volunteer, okay, hey Luke, that's something I want to like. I'm telling myself like I have to volunteer more. I'm so convicted that I need to I need to volunteer more. I don't care that I'm in grad school. I don't care that I have this. I don't, I need to spend at least an hour. Doing some something for another group or another thing that's not, I get no benefit besides like the um, satisfaction of. But like, and what they have um, found is is like, and again, I need to like um, dig into this research a bit more. But I've read a few things that have said people who volunteer tend to have health, tend to have um, healthier and happier lives, which I don't think is a coincidence. Like I don't, no, I, I don't, I, I don't at all. I think there's a reason why, and like I think I'm not saying this is why everyone is on like on meds or anything like that. I think that like the mental health stuff is real, but I do think there's an aspect of our culture. One reason why this might be just seen as coming up everywhere and all the time is like, are we actually like we're not people who volunteer all the time, all the time, yeah, and we don't. Yeah, it was so common. Like you can even see it in. Um, movies about the 50s and 60s or television shows about the 50s and 60s, you see what are the parents constantly doing? The parents in the 50s and 60s are constantly doing things like Rotary Club, Key Club. Yeah, yeah. You know, they're constantly doing that stuff. In um, the beautiful book um, Bowling Alone, um, Robert Putnam talks about that the baby boomers parents so people who were parents in the like at the time of the end of world war ii so in the end of the 40s who gave birth to the baby boomers they were involved in everything that was the ideal america it really was 
in the sense of now, obviously there's a lot of problems, but in the sense of you had among almost every strata of American civilization, high class, low class, and everything in between, you had people engaged locally in local problem solving, like the Rotary Club, the Key Club, all of that stuff. I find that stuff fascinating. I had a friend in high school who was a part of Key Club, and I was of that mindset that, like, if it's not religious, it's stupid because it's not concerned with ultimate things. But then I saw how they changed people's lives, and I'm like, oh, you know what? This actually matters. This deeply, deeply matters. Well, it's coming from that, right? Yeah. It's coming from, like, deeply held. And I think you – I'm going to see this a lot in, like, um, in the um, black um, community here in America where they talk about, like, are you giving back to the community? It's like I can't, you hear people talk about all that, and it's like expected that the like they're all in it um, together. So, like, are you giving back? Are you a part of what we are doing? And I, there's like that for the most part. That way of speaking about your community or the world around you doesn't exist. It it it, it exists with like good like good intentions. Yeah. It exists. You know, it like, exists on social media. <laughs> yeah, like I think there's a lot of people. Like I mean, Gen X cares deeply about like a lot of um, social, like a lot of um, social justice issues, and that's really good. But it's so global that it comes across more as almost sentimentality because it's not um, rooted. And I'm like, I need to point the finger at myself. It's not rooted in anything that you're actually doing or seeing or in your everyday life. Yeah. Oh, man. There's a wonderful book called The Burnout Society. It's very dense, Heideggerian-type language. But Byung Chul Han writes. He's half Korean, half German. Uh, it is intense. I've been reading it because we were talking about the Great Resignation, all this stuff. And, you know, you just see this stuff. Like, my heart goes out to all these people who feel like like the Great Resignation, I think, is a good thing, deeply. In American capitalism, the American market, the American economy of like people being like, you know what? It doesn't make sense for me to work twice as much for this low wage and all the money is going up to the top. That doesn't make sense. Like, it, it, why am I doing more so that you can make more? And it, it really does like going through the pandemic as a director where I'm, I have a heavy say in the budget and watching literally our finances of this big, big parish get cut in half and you, you lose 10 people in a handful of weeks because they all are like, oh, crap, you can't support my life. I'm out. I'm doing this. I'm doing that. I'm, I'm getting different jobs. And then all of a sudden you're rebuilding and you don't have the people to rebuild and you don't have the people applying for jobs to rebuild. And you're just looking at all this stuff and you're like, life is very different now. Life is very different now. And I think it's better. Um, there, there, there are problems that we're seeing. And here's the fascinating thing along the lines of what you're talking about. We have men who are retired who, who have some sort of professional skill set in building, you know, facilities, maintenance, build, you know, codes, electricity, you know, all that stuff, um, electrical engineers, all that, who are now – like we have this one guy. He's, he's about to quit, but I just think the world of him because he doesn't have to work for the church. But he does it because he knows we desperately need his expertise. And so here he is. We have another guy who's retired who not he's not a young – he's not a uh, – excuse me. He's not an old guy, physically fit, all this stuff. 
he has dedicated he came on board to do part-time maintenance work and he's almost full-time in the pantry the food pantry the um san anthony's bread because he just loves being with people and helping people who are in need he caught the vision and that's what he wants to do completely and i i love when people encounter that i do I, it makes my heart feel like okay god like with all the chaos in the church today here's where you're you're demonstrably working and i'm seeing things happen and um w- like you were talking about the um people giving money towards mission the other side that i'm seeing um outside of like church of the presentation where they have these guilds and they're giving their time we have had because you know we have father david huss and he's very much a, a traditional priest where's cassock blah 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 but he is very much dedicated to restoring the sacred in our parish and people have given hundreds of thousands of dollars, not because anyone asked them to. They just walk up and say, hey, what do you think if I did this? He's like, you know, like they said, hey, I saw a crack in our beautiful crucifix that's been hanging above our altar for you know 20 years. What's that crack? And it's like, I don't know. Stress, blah, blah, blah. How much is that going to cost to get fixed? $6,000. Okay, I'll pay it. Hey, I noticed the, the 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 carpet. Yeah, the carpet's twenty years old. It needs to be replaced. It's gonna. It's in next year's budget. Well, why would I want to have our Lord and His Adoration Chapel wait for next year for something beautiful? Let's do it now. I'll pay for it. Well, you can't pay for that. The windows are all cracked, and they're the literally the squirrels have eaten away at the rubber uh, seals around the windows. So, okay, I'll pay for that too. Like people are like out of nowhere because. They're co- they're connected to the liturgical mission or the devotional mission of of the forty hours. That's a wonderful point, right? Yeah. Like it's different, and this is where I see the 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 beautiful splendor of the church is that our food pantry is so funded. Like it, people came out of, of like our parishioners were incredible during the worst of the pandemic. That thing never every food barrel we have these big barrels where people can donate food was filled to overflowing twice a day, twice a day. That we had a constant, we had to get volunteers just to take it over to the food pantry because it was so full that we couldn't. People wanted to put like bags were everywhere, and you see like what, social justice, the giving to people in poverty, giving to people in need. Um, even during the pandemic, when it was at its worst, it was the same levels, 307000 or whatever dollars this year that it was last year that it was the year before. And you're like, this is where people are responding. And some people, it's the liturgical side. Some people, it's the giving side. Uh, some people, it's the catechetical side. Some people, you like, it's all these different things. And that's the body. All these different things arraigned for the glory of God. I'm drunk. Woo! Uh, I don't have a lot of time left. Me so, either. My wife. Really quick. My wife is. Uh, waiting. Waiting. Hey, Michael. I'm like, hey, girl. <laughs> and she's like, you know, a baby. I'm like, hey, girl. <laughs> uh, uh, sorry. I, I, I zoned out for a second there. Uh, are you listening to anything fun or should we just end there? No, let's end here. But I have a topic for next week and I want you to think cool. about it. Okay. Mm, tell me. So Christopher George Miller, my friend, he he's like a lowly friend. Like I barely even know him. <laughs> he is going to give a presentation. And so he said to me, what is your advice for someone who is, you know, anxious about giving a presentation? 
What's your advice to overcome the anxiety? Because he's given it to big wigs in the corporate world, right? I drove home on FaceTime because I like my video calls. And I was telling him, I was giving him my advice for how to give a good talk and to do a good Q&A. Because one of the guys in our, I posted the two talks, St. Augustine on morality and St. Thomas Aquinas on morality that I gave at a local church. And uh, I don't have it up right now. So this one person commented, your cadence is the same. It's like you're, he said something like, it's like you're excited or passionate about giving the talk as you are about answering every question. And to me, I was like, yeah, no, that's how I give my talks. Like, I am so excited to talk about biblical typology. And I'm so excited to talk about the Eucharist. I'm so excited to talk about the papacy. And I started asking myself for preparing to talk to Chris, why? What What is it about giving talks that I don't, I'm not anxious at all. Or if I am, it's, it's very, it's a very defined, very specific to like a location. And so I came up with my best advice on how to give a good talk. And maybe next week we talk about that. What do you think? And also, yeah, yeah, should I fine. send it to you? Yeah. Yeah. Ahead of time so that you know, or should I just spring it on you? Um, That's the question, Luke. That's the question. What does Lukey want? Is you. And I, so, and I am insufferable. So maybe send it to me ahead of time so I can come with some points. <laughs> so it's not a 30-minute monologue. Me going, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Special thanks to our sponsors. Thank you. BetterHelp.com slash Fox's Athletic Greens Executive Coach Solutions and the Catholic Card Game Escape Room. Hell yeah. Woo! Love it. Catholic card. It's, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm actually really excited to see that. Everything great. Matt does is awesome. It is. Especially when it he is. puts me as a Catholic celebrity in his latest card game. What? <laughs> Three, two, two. Uh, one. Wait, 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 uh-huh. wait, wait, wait. I'll wait for you, Luke. I'll wait Three, for you forever. Two. True love waits. One. Go.